All securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp., member of FINRA, SIPC. Sutherland Wealth Partners is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. No opinions in this podcast should be taken as a recommendation or advice. and we hope you had a fabulous week. This is Craig Sutherland, president of Sutherland Wealth Partners, and as always, we are joined by the wonderful Alana Gaither. Hello, happy Thursday. And again, hope you guys just had a really great week, and quite honestly, I'm excited for this week's podcast because we've picked a couple of topics that I think everybody's going to enjoy, and I know uh, as you and I were previewing it, we had a lot of great discussion, and looking forward to bringing it to you. So, I am actually just going to turn the reins over and let you lead us off. So yeah, we just wanted to start this week's podcast off with just a feel-good story. I don't know if anyone caught um, this past weekend's E60. They aired a segment um, last Sunday, I believe, about Dylan McCulloch's wild adoption story. Um, Dylan is currently the Kansas City Chiefs running back and running back's coach, and he grew up in Youngstown. He was actually adopted from Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is one of the only states that has a law that prohibits adoptees from seeing their birth records, so he never knew anything about his birth parents. Um, so Dylan was actually recruited by a coach named Sherman Smith to Miami of Ohio, who had been a mentor in Dylan's life ever since. Um, Dylan then went on to play in the NFL, but suffered a career-ending injury. Sherman Smith then helped Dylan become a coach later on in the NFL. So again, clearly a huge mentor and friend in his life. So a year or so ago, the show explained that Pennsylvania changed the law, allowing adoptees to see their birth records. So Dylan um, found out, you know, his mom was a 16-year-old that got pregnant with him and didn't tell anyone and they connected and it was a really happy moment in the episode and he then asked you know who's my my birth dad and she said a man by the name of Sherman Smith so (laughs) pretty crazy story that you know he ended up finding and contacting his family and the dad ended up being someone who was a mentor his whole life and it was a happy moment for sure. Yeah, no, that's an amazing story, and uh, again, you just never know sometimes in life where your journey is going to lead, and again, just by having a law change in a state, open the door now to an amazing reunion, let alone at a high level with professional sports, but yeah, when you told me about that, I had heard about the story, but you know, in in discussing it, I couldn't help but smile because it's just unbelievable how... Well, I mean, what are the odds of them getting back together in, in that particular team? But, yeah, that was a really a great story. Speaking of great stories, this week, it wasn't, uh, what, about two, three weeks ago that Apple became the first trillion-dollar company. Let me say it, trillion with a T. And this past week, we had our second company, and that was Amazon. Uh, we had talked about Amazon in the past, but I just think this story just keeps getting bigger and better 
And I think a little bit of color of the background and the story of how Amazon actually became Amazon and really where's it going to go from here. So mm -hmm. do you have some, uh, some yeah, stats I mean, on that? You know, my idea of Amazon, when I was younger growing up, it was the place where you get to order your, your online books, and <laughs> then they transitioned to the Kindle, and then came Alexa, you know, I think they've, there's been some rumors about the self-driving cars in a few years, so, yeah, it's crazy, we were just looking at some stats, and Amazon captures 49 cents of every e-commerce dollar in the U.S., which is wow. insane. Wow. Um, employs more than 550,000 people and generates $178 billion in annual revenue. Jeez. And I know it's, you know, it's one thing when you, you hear the term a million, a billion, a trillion, but you don't actually realize how much a trillion is. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you, you know, how many zeros is a, <laughs> is a trillion. It's insane. So it's really hard to even just wrap your head around that number. Yeah. And I was actually looking at a little bit of background on Jeff Bezos as well from the financial standpoint. And he became a millionaire back in 1980, or excuse me, 1997, uh, when they first had their IPO. And it wasn't two years later in 99 that he actually became a billionaire. So he went from a millionaire to a billionaire in two years. Not only a billionaire, in 1999 he was worth $10 billion. Now, again, that's a lot of money. And what happened in the next couple of years, for those uh, maybe who had never been through a stock market crash before, back uh, in 2000, 2001 and 2002, we had three negative years in the market when the technology bubble burst. And his net worth actually went from $10 billion down to 2 Now, that may not sound like a lot, but that's 80% of his net worth was wiped away. I'm not going to cry for him. He's still left with $2 billion. He's still, <laughs> he, still going to eat okay tomorrow. But what I think the story evolves from there is what happened after that is actually in 2008, he was worth $8 billion and it only took 10 years to him go from 8 billion to now upwards of $170 billion. And I guess the rumor now is, and the great debate is, could he in fact become the first trillionaire? It's so crazy. Yeah, speaking of um, Amazon's IPO in 1997, I think it's interesting too, I was reading up on it and Bezos made it clear when they became public that he would not work for Wall Street, um, which I think is interesting. You know, companies nowadays, you have every action you make, you have to worry about your shareholders and pleasing um, the big guys on Wall Street. So I think it's interesting that right off the bat, you know, he was never, never too, never feared losing money. And I mean, he's he's had a success story for sure. And right, I think that's really interesting and. I think also going into what Craig and I wanted to touch base, you know, not not really being scared about Wall Street or whoever else is higher up is just, you know, the recent story with Nike making political statements and mm -hmm. there's more and more CEOs and, and brand names coming out that aren't afraid to speak their mind and stand up for causes. And we were just thinking about, you know, the pros and cons or or what advisors think about taking their opinions to their own social medias and their own um, personal lives and if, that, if that's good for business, if that hurts business, and mm -hmm. uh, what do you think, Craig? No, I, I agree. I, I think it's definitely a risk because part of being in business, again, you want to get your message out there or your brand and you want people to be attracted to that. And, you know, they always talk about never, you know, discuss politics or religion. Well. 
sorry folks, but it's all around you and everything that you see, touch and feel today. So it isn't going to be a topic. But to your point, I, I guess you have to say, what is the right mode? What is the right medium? And how do you really want to craft that message? Because the problem with social media, in my opinion, is that you can put something out there and it gets grossly misinterpreted because mm-hmm. they don't understand your emotion and you know people can just interpret it their own way. And then when they respond, it could get quite hostile or they could take the conversation in a different way. So I think that there definitely is a risk, uh, not only just as, as an advisor, but just as a person in this type of social media world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I have a lot of friends all across different, you know, political spectrums, and I think it is interesting. Some people could be worried about losing um, prospects or losing clients, but at the same time, you could say you know, you don't know if whatever you share in your social media mediums if that could attract clients as well. So. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's different. I say, and you know, in this time and day, if you're passionate about something, you can be respectful and informative without being, you know, in your face and extremely aggressive. So I think there's a way that you can definitely share your political thoughts and without causing a ruckus and um, still being, like I said, still being respectful. So yeah, no, I agree. And there's times even when I'm not so much on Facebook, but really, I think when I'm going on Twitter. And I see a lot of people, you know, putting out messages and it's really quite shocking to me, I have to say, that somebody can put a couple of lines of content and cause that much stir and that other people can retweet and put it out and just how fast a message can spread. And also when you find that out, how quickly you could recall it or not. And again, it's a, and I teach my kids that, you know, I have two young daughters that, you know, phones and you know, iPads and the rest of that, they're actually, they can be used as weapons. You can hurt people and not not being intentional about that, but just collateral damage can go out. So I think people kind of, this is my philosophy. And again, it sounds like old school, but it's why you have two ears and one mouth. You know, a lot of times you want to think before you post uh, because they think before you speak, but now it's think before you tweet or think before you hit the send button because you can't recall it typically. Once it's out there in the universe, it's out there. But yeah, I think you drive a really good point, Alana, is as an advisor or just as a person, how and where do you want to take that message? Mm-hmm. And it was funny, I actually um, reached out to one of my friends who works at Nike yesterday and mm. I asked her what the vibe was like or if they were pumped up or if, you know, just what what the feeling was over there. And she was like, eh, it's just a normal day. Like, we're not really concerned <laughs> about the people freaking out over our three point or three percent drop in the market and it was just interesting hearing you know everyone was sharing their opinions and even I was and here at the Nike headquarters just another day and they're not too concerned about people's opinions and just doing their own thing it's just crazy when you think about 10 years 15 20 years ago how companies like a Nike or um, you know a food company they were in their message were trying to hit an emotional hot button on driving you to buy their product and how it's going to increase your life. But now a lot of these companies are taking a different risk of actually putting out a message of what they feel that they stand for that may not be directly related to their product or service. And I think it just goes to show how far we have come, mm-hmm. not only in business, but as a society. And whether you like the messages or not, there's a powerful medium out there that it's not just for selling people goods and services, but it's actually to convey powerful messages. Yeah. 
Agreed. And if you guys are still listening right now, I think we're at 12 minutes or so, I would be, you know, curious to hear your feedback. And if you're an entrepreneur or someone with access, um, if your social media ties in with your business, how do you feel about getting political and speaking your mind on social media? I think there's a lot of different opinions and thoughts on that, and we would love to hear yours. So thank you guys again for joining us this week. And... Have a great weekend. Bye.